0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hello, and welcome to the UX Cake Podcast. This is episode 44, and it's special because this is the first episode of season three. And that is extra special because the podcast has been on a break for two years. (laughs) And it's been a couple crazy years since 2020. It's so great to be back here with you all. I've got exciting things planned for this season. I hope you have exciting things planned for this year, too. I'm kicking the season off with a fantastic episode with Indy Young about listening, specifically, a method Indy calls deep listening. Now, I think most listeners of this podcast would agree that if we want to make products and services that people want and use, we have to talk to those people. Whether you're involved in product strategy, UX, development, marketing, any part of building products or a business or a service... I imagine you would agree that you've got to understand what your audience or user's goals are. What's really going to serve their needs and what motivates them? And how do we do that? We talk to them. More importantly... We listen to them talk. So how do we get them to talk about what's really most important to them? You might say, ask them. And if I'm not getting the right information, maybe I need better questions. And you wouldn't be wrong. Asking good questions is really important in user research. But today we're going to explore a different approach than what you might be used to in your user research. The emphasis here is not on asking people the right questions. It's on identifying the objective and then listening and listening some more and not guiding the conversation, but just listening deeply. It's focused on getting into someone's most inner unconscious purpose and motivations. And this is going to help you identify the most important opportunities to act on. Now, this is something you can practice with customers for product strategy, but you can also use these techniques in relationships at work to create impactful change in how you work together. It's harder than it sounds, believe me, I have tried it, but the results can be quite eye-opening. My guest, Indy Young, is a researcher who coaches, writes, speaks, and teaches about inclusive, product strategy. Her books on mental models and empathy are widely known and respected and personally I have been a fan of hers for years and I've learned so much from her. She's developed this approach of deep listening over many years and she also offers training and coaching in it and now she's written a book about deep listening called Time to Listen which is out now. Let's jump in to a conversation with Indy. Yeah, so hi, Indy, and thank you so much for joining me on UX Cake. Yay, absolutely.
1: You know, according to the name, it always makes me want to, like, go down and get a slice of cake somewhere and eat it while we're talking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're not alone in that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe our listeners will go grab a bite of cake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... So, you know, actually part of what we're talking about in UX Cake is, you know, all of the layers that we need to be, to be effective in, in our jobs and, um, and in our careers. And so I'm super excited to talk to you today about deep listening because it, we'll get into, you know, what it is a little bit more, but it's, it has a lot of impact and um, not just for a UX researcher. Um, but for anyone who's involved in listening <laughs> and, and doing something about right, what they heard. Right. And uh, speaking of layers, for
1: <laughs> anyone involved in product strategy as well. Right. Um, so I, I think you know, but I have a new book coming out. Uh, it is mid-January 2022 right now, and I'm hoping to have it launched the beginning of February. 2022 and i have sketches in the book that have these little layers in them so it's kind of fun that you mentioned layers in the cake
0: Ah, oh i want to hear more about the layers i could maybe give you a sneak preview of them oh that would be awesome that we could share with um our listeners and we are gonna um definitely for listeners and watchers out there um talk more about the book i want to jump in to kind of well, we're definitely going to get to what is deep listening, and um, this is something that you've been talking about and teaching for a while now, a few years. We talked about it two years ago, and you had been doing this for a while, um, and now you have this wonderful book coming out. Oh, I'm assuming it's wonderful based on the previous books that you have <laughs> published, so... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't you had know. yet, so... <laughs> but... Um, Absolutely <laughs> sure that's wonderful because um, you are such an expert at uh, at what you're talking about and and at helping other people understand, which is really important. Um, so my my first question really is more about I want to start with the why. what is we'll jump into you know exactly what is it um, and how you do it, but why should someone be listening to something about deep listening. What is the impact?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are two main branches of my answer. One branch has to do with product strategy. The other branch has to do with relationships that you have with the people you work with. Um, uh, also the people in your family, your friends, et cetera. So the one branch is product strategy, the other is relationships. Um, and one thing that um, that I think is really important right now is that if we have any hope of shifting the way that our organizations approach product strategy, we need to take the time to develop relationships with those who have power. In our organizations, um, so the two are like they're they're very intertwined, um, and I think a lot of the time, I don't know. I'll, I I mentor folks and coach folks, and a lot of those people feel disconnected from those who are in power, who have supposed decision making ability, or even if they are connected with them. Maybe they find out that they don't actually have the decision-making and and somebody even higher up just sort of like says, no, we're doing it the old way. Um, so, So developing relationships involves understanding where a person is coming from, understanding what they're trying to communicate to you, what they're trying to convey, the ideas they're trying to pursue, trying to understand that from their perspective rather than just react to it. And I think a lot of the time, um, it's easier to just react to it. It's far easier not, not to to do, um, you know, to just say like, "Well, that's wrong," or even just talk to your other colleagues and say, "Well, it would be better if we did this," but but not to approach that person who has that idea, because you might actually have misinterpreted what they're trying to do. Or they might not have done a great job of communicating it, or they might not have done a thorough job of thinking it through. They may not have some experiences some of the people on your team do um, that could help them. And if you let that relationship wither, if you don't build it, if you don't sustain it over time, you're not gonna be able to let those ideas clarify between you. You're not going to be able to communicate those ideas. They're not going to be able to communicate their ideas to you. You're not going to be able to collaborate. It, it, it becomes more like uh, one of those toxic work situations where everybody just wants to run away screaming.
0: Yeah, and and even if it's not te- toxic, even if it's, you know, mm-hmm. respectful, um, I, I can see that the outcome still might be a miss because there's that lack of communication at the very sort of seed and, col- and collaboration yeah.
1: yeah so so that your question was like why deep listening um the techniques the what of it are what allow you to achieve an understanding of another person's perspective in a way that actually changes your own thinking right mm. um so you may go into it feeling like you've built up these guiding principles, and you've had these experiences, and so therefore, you know, your idea is fairly firm in your mind, or your way of approaching something, or your method, or the thing you wish that this organization would do um, is the right thing, um, but, but we're all human, and if we're trying to work together in a team, that means understanding other people's approaches and letting that influence your approach. Letting it all sort of stew together and become a a different thing um, when you all put your ideas together. Um, That can't be done if you don't have trust with one another. That can't be done if you don't respect one another's uh, ways of thinking. It can't be done if you don't go back and explore where those ways of thinking came from. Because going back, and this is one of the techniques that I talk about in the book, going back allows you to understand Why they built up that approach. And the why is the way that you can validate to yourself. Like, oh, yeah, I could see how I might have reacted that way too. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it becomes a way to build respect. It becomes a way to see other people's approaches and perspectives as valid rather than dismissing them. Um, it also becomes a way of recognizing when we are making assumptions. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. So, of course, I, I said there were two paths. The other path, the product strategy path, is about understanding who we're trying to support with our solution. And instead of looking at that person sort of like through the lens of what our solution does, Take that away. Pretend we're not an employee for a little bit and try to understand that person's approach to the purpose. Their purpose Mm -hmm. and their approach is going to be broader than what you bring with your solution. So if you can just set your solution uh, aside for a while and just understand their approach and and do that with a lot of different people um, who are trying to accomplish or address or make progress on or procrastinate, the same purpose, and then you'll start to see some patterns. And you can measure those patterns against later what your solution is doing and see the gaps. If you're good at this, you can also purposely include people who have approaches that are very different than what you thought like your average user has.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is where we get to the what of it. like. Um, because, and, uh, it took me a while, when we talked about this a couple years ago, I, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around how, how is this different and why this approach, um. And I got there. So I, now that I'm there, I want to help the users get there a little more quickly than I did. Um, or the, sorry, listeners. our listeners. <laughs> uh, the users of your book. Um. <laughs> Whatever noun we're going to use. Readers, listeners, yeah. users. People, the people, the humans. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Because they, they have a purpose, right? Each person who might reach for this book or might reach for this podcast has a purpose, Um, And it's very, it's not read the
0: book. Their purpose is not learn
1: this method. Their purpose is something else, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, exactly. And I believe that you can say the same for many other approaches to user research, where you're doing an interview, you come with a set of questions, you come with... um, you know, follow-up questions. You come with an agenda of here's the answers we we want. Here's the questions we want answers to. Um, here's our objectives. And what you're talking about is actually very different approach. And so I want to get into that like first, and then let's talk about um, you know why uh, and why right. this is maybe more effective in some cases. Um, So, yeah, just kind of an overview of what is deep listening and in the context of, you know, probably a lot of listeners are familiar with UX research, user research, other types of research.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when somebody gets interested in design or product, it's often because um, they want to make things better for people, um, so, so that 's one like sort of overarching purpose that people have um, and then they you know they either join a program or they learn on the job um, or they get a mentor or all of the above um, this isn 't a field that has really been established for that long um, and what we 're doing is we 're drawing from a bunch of other fields that isn 't um, Evenly distributed in the way that people learn, um, and so what has become sort of the norm is to really focus on uh, business goals, such as let's increase the number of people um, looking at our solution or using our solution. Let's increase the um, the the. The number of people who tell other people about this solution. Let's, um, you know, ramp up the numbers of people who like or trust our brand. You know, these these kinds of traditional things, and so mm-hmm. this gets sort of all wrapped up into the idea of looking at what we're already producing and how well it works for people. Often that results in something. Um, some, some research that would be called evaluative research um, or validation, right? We're looking at ideas that we have um, or prototypes and we're checking if they're really going to work for people. Um, and in that checking, we sort of get things that are called insights, <laughs> which are like, oh, oops, we did that wrong there. Let's fix it. Um, uh, or, oh, we didn't solve for this. Maybe we should do that in the next version, Right? Um, So, the, the very different thing that I'm doing is like, okay, that's fine. That still needs to happen. But that's one very small part of the whole picture. That is just something called the solution space. And even if you've got these beautiful, like, you know, dual track methodologies where you're doing ongoing co-creation with people and generating ideas that's still in the solution space. If you're putting those ideas through some sort of validation, some sort of evaluative uh, research uh, process, and then sticking it into a product backlog and then handing it over to product development or maybe working in trios like Teresa Torres um, talks about, like working in trios where you're constantly sort of talking about this together as a team Um, the ideas and the validation and the development of it and how does this all work Um, the thing that's missing from there is the strategy okay we're not we're not involving strategy so much strategy is kind of like yeah those are the things that um, like the CEO wants us to do or the direction we should head or uh, maybe our big data analysts are saying you know there seems to be a trend this way and we should probably go there or somebody up the chain has prioritized you know doing x over y or um, you know if you can't buy the other company let's compete them out of the market you know that kind of thing um, that's current strategy it doesn't involve what a person's trying to get done it doesn't involve how are we supporting what people are trying to get done this isn't mm-hmm. intentional that way um, the The closest we have is our evaluative research. With our ideas, Mm -hmm. are they able to allow that person to get the thing done? And we've carefully defined the thing that's getting done through the lens of our solution. If instead we step back and we want better strategy, what we need to do is understand how people are getting, like, first of all, what is the thing done? What is that purpose that people are trying to address? often we define it in our organizations as as a very specific step in a journey, right? And the journey is organized around our solution. It's often organized around an average user. Even though we've got personas and stuff, we don't tend to create different journeys for different personas and different solutions for different personas. It's just like average user. And so (laughs) if we're going to move out uh of the solution space up into something called the strategy space, um, we need more knowledge. We need knowledge to guide that strategy space. That knowledge is going to be about the person's purpose. Now, our solution might be supporting a lot of different purposes, but generally it's not going to support the purpose is not a step in. Something a purpose is a grander thing. Like the people who are listening to this right now um, may have a purpose of, um, you know, like I, I'm trying to sh- switch careers, right? Um, maybe my purpose is to um, uh, move roles uh, or move up a level in my role in my organization. Um, right. mm-hmm. There, there, I, and I'm. There's probably a million other purposes that people have. Um, And this podcast seeks to try to serve those purposes. Do we know what those purposes are? Have we explored all those purposes? Are we able to rate ourselves and track how well we are serving people? So for example, we've been talking about readers and listeners, Um, how well are we serving people who, um, you know, they, they can't see the screen very well, or they can't hear what we're saying very well. Um, how are we serving them? Moreover, what if there's sort of a mix of that and other things, like you've got kids at home that you're taking care of, and you're trying to improve your career, but you're also trying to deal with improving the kids' minds, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's just a piece. Right, just a piece. is just a piece and how do you engage with that piece? How do you engage with other things that you're doing to improve your career? How is your approach to that purpose of, like, changing your role or changing your career? Um, It's multifaceted, and your approach might be slightly different than someone else's approach. It might be based on the fact that somebody has kids at home and somebody doesn't, but it might also be based on some thinking styles or philosophic approaches. Um, maybe mm-hmm. somebody's in a hurry, so they're going to approach this differently than somebody who's got time and not worried about time uh, for switching their career. Um, and switching your career is just one out of many, many purposes, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is to try to understand a broader range of people's approaches to the purposes that we're interested in supporting, that we're good at supporting right now, and some purposes that we might be able to support in the future that we haven't thought about.
0: And I want to dig into this methodology a little bit, because um, what one thing, I mean, there's <laughs> I haven't even listened, talked about listening yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the kind of listening you're talking about, it's different from active listening we um i have done podcasts about asking better questions that's something that we all need to do as well um uh being a better listener um you know all lots of things around listening but it tends to be tied to questions and you know is that a power you know am i asking the right questions are we Coming to it with the right questions. Are we asking the right questions to to um, engage with our um, who we're listening to? And um, your approach is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want
1: to understand another person's approach to a purpose, you come into a listening session. No list of questions. You come into a listening session with one germinal question, which is about the purpose. It says, what went through your mind as you were addressing this purpose recently? Or what were you concerned about? You know, what was you know, everything that went through your mind that time, you know, there was a long set of studies that I did about passengers. And so we would say, like, you know, on Tuesday when you were flying to, so, you know, Fort Worth or something, um, what went through your mind as you were trying to get to the airport? What went through your mind um, that day? And we kind of dive into it. Now, the idea of what went through your mind is an idea of layers. So <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to do visuals, um, but, uh, the, the way that I'm talking about it these days is that when we have normal conversation with one another, we tend to explain things to one another, or we, we tend to describe scenes to one another. Uh, a germinal question, a listening session is always only about the past, somebody's memories. Okay. It's not about the use of your solution. It's about
0: mm-hmm.
1: them addressing their purpose.
0: And out of the context of a specific solution. Out of the
1: context of a specific solution. Actually, the way that I'm defining it is that the person's there with their purpose. Perhaps, you know, get from my city to that other city for that meeting. I'm maybe going to use a plane. um, And my purpose is to get there on time for that meeting, right? I have around me a whole circle of solutions, that I, that I reach for in various ways. Like some of it might just be social. I'm like talking to the other person uh, from a company that's flying there too and asking them like, oh, what flight are you taking, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm maybe looking up what, uh, what flight I took the last time um, or changing because I remember that that was a really bad time to take the flight for some reason. Maybe my child, uh, uh, you know, only wanted me to be gone for one night, not two nights or, you know, something like that. Um, So, there's a lot of memory, there's a lot of social, those are solutions as well. There's also solutions like looking at um, a reservation tool or something. um, Mm -hmm. Looking at past flights that you've taken. So you're, you're surrounded by all these different solutions. So in a listening session, what we're doing is we're going back to the memory of what that person did, and oftentimes they start out just with explanation. Here's what I did. Um, this was the scene. Um, and, you know, I hate flying um, red eyes, let's say, and here's why I hate flying red eyes. Um, they're talking at kind of this conceptual layer about the topic of deciding. Uh, the, the topic here is just deciding which flight to take, right? Right. Um, in that topic, they're sort of talking in the outer layers. They're talking, talking in the description layer, which is the the, the explanations and the scene setting and the context. Right? They're talking about their preferences and their opinions. Um, like it's it's better not to take a red eye. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And they might be talking in generalizations or implied. Sort of. This is a little bit closer, almost at the interior. Um, of like, you know, I, I don't take red eyes because I've had bad experiences. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then I go back into explanation. The bad experience was that I fell asleep in the middle of the meeting. And that was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> right? So, so that's an explanation. We're not getting all the way to the middle, which is the interior cognition. The interior cognition is a very specific part, which is your inner thinking, your emotional reactions, and the guiding principles that you use to make decisions at that point in time. So okay. as you're considering this trip to the meeting and, and you're like, oh, you know, I should ask my colleague what flight they're taking so we can um, maybe do some work together. We've got a presentation and we can maybe sit together and we can work together on the flight or something, right? That, that might be my inner thinking. Um, and then I might have an emotional reaction is like... Uh, Uh, On second thought, maybe that would be too much of that person
0: (laughs) that day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you have really specific approaches for how to get at this information without asking questions. And you have specific reasons why it's better. Yeah to not ask a question and i i find it fascinating so
1: (laughs) yeah usually what
0: i do is i i
1: i I try to say things so there are a lot of things to be said the only questions that i'll use is some variation on what went through your mind to help somebody Hmm. to sort of guide them down to that inner thinking emotional reaction and guiding principle the interior cognition Um, Mm -hmm. I may hear them. They're always going to talk about description, layer, uh, explanation, scene setting. They're always going to talk about their opinions and preferences. That's going to come. That's fine. But we want to get farther into the interior. Um, And this is the interior of the topic of deciding which flight to take. It's not the interior of that person. It's the interior of a topic Mm -hmm. because they might bring up another topic. So... This is the thing, is that with the germinal question, I say, what went through your mind as you were you know, trying to go to Fort Worth that day? Actually, as you were trying to decide how to go to Fort Worth <laughs> the, okay. the few weeks before you went to Fort Worth. <laughs> um, right. This then is where they get to pick the topic. Okay, So they might pick the topic of, you need to get that presentation done with my colleague. They might pick the topic of need to be home for my child, Uh, right? They might pick the topic of um, uh, brand loyalty and mileage points and saving up to uh, maybe possibly go to Europe or something, if we're talking about US-based someone. Um, So Mm -hmm. the idea is that they we're not leading. We're not going to put a topic out there. Sometimes uh, in the, after I ask the general, germinal question, the person will say, well, where do you want me to start? And I'll go, well, what went through your mind just now when I ask you that question? They're like, oh, well, I thought you were going to ask me about what
0: reservation app I used. And I'm like, well, let's start there right? How did you decide that? Yeah. Am I right in hearing that you want them to get to all the topics?
1: They're going to uncover the topics that are important to them. We're not going to bring up a single topic. Mm -hmm. Um, so the analogy, uh, well, let's say, um, this, this also works with vocabulary. Um, if you ever have played Scrabble, you get some tiles with, letters on them, and then you try to use them. You only get to use those letters that you draw when you're playing that game Scrabble. Um, In a listening session, you only get to use the tiles, the topics that that person brings up in a listening session. You only get to use the vocabulary that person brings up in the listening session. You aren't working Mm -hmm. with anything greater than that. The reason for this is that we want to avoid our assumptions. Um, there, assumptions come in a lot of different layers as well. Um, but the assumption about what's important to a person is what ends up giving us research that sort of reflects our own approach. So we end up with insights that are like, well, obviously, you know, this is, this is how it works because that's how I've done it. Or how our team members have done it. Um, so they're that's one layer of it (laughs) um the other idea is that if you let them lead they're going to only bring up what's important to them and they're not going to try to answer a question and give you what you need if you're Mm -hmm. giving them topics if you're asking them questions they're assuming that as a researcher you're trying to together some information and they're going to try to supply it for them for you and they might end up having to you know make up what they uh what they had been thinking and we don't want them to make that up um there's also something in evaluative especially in market research um, that's called conjecture these are questions about what would you do
0: Mm -hmm, yeah we want to avoid that (laughs)
1: entirely we we Mm -hmm. only want to go into the memory Um, what did you think? How did you handle it emotionally?
0: Yeah, I can see, um, you know, I can see right away how this could help you avoid or help you identify what is truly important and find patterns there with what is truly important period as opposed to what is most important out of this list of things please prioritize you because you're kind of <laughs> leading the witness there with uh-huh. out of these things that we care about right uh anyway so that's a that's a much more sort of solution first yeah. approach yes. versus um identifying uh insights first
1: yeah yeah I actually don't like to use the word insights at all
0: Uh, Yeah, Tell me more.
1: (laughs) It's because it sounds like we're mining that person for insights and we're trying to get things from them. It's very much an explorer sort of mindset where we're going to go in and get the gold and bring it back to our team, which doesn't that sound a lot like colonialism? Doesn't that sound (laughs) a lot like we're using people? We don't want to use people. We want to support people. Right. And if we're going to, su- how do we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we're going support people, <laughs> we go in there and we say, "I don't know anything about your mind in the way that you think," and that's the most important thing to me ever. So I want to understand how you think about everything that went through your mind throughout your approach to this purpose. Um, you're going to bring up what topics are important to you, what actually happened, what actually went through your mind. I'm not going to say anything about where to go. Um, the only thing I might do is that if, you know, <laughs> these these discussions, these listening sessions are, get really comfortable if we can build trust, if we can show that we are a supportive person and that we're hearing them. Um, and so you, you you end up like not saying very much at all, and the person's going on and on, and the only thing you're doing is trying to remind them, like, what went through your mind? And Like, I want to hear the explanations and the scene setting and your opinions and stuff, but I also want to know what actually went through your mind there. Um, And when that happens, um, and the person's done with the subject, like a topic is sort of played out, they're done. You don't need to ask them anything more about it. You'll sense it. Um, And you might just sort of, like, sit there and go, like, you're both pausing, you're like, ah, oh, that was sort of cool. I got really deep there. And then you might go, well, earlier you said such and such. And this kind of relates, you know, in your mind, it might relate to what they were just talking about. And then they'll, like, hop back on that, and they'll start talking about the such and such topic and what went through their mind for that. Um, you may have to remind them, well, wait, what went through your mind? You may have to use a technique that's called pinning to a place in time, because it's often hard to talk, it's really hard to talk about what actually went through your mind without a place in time. You can generalize about it, and people do sometimes generalize about their inner thinking or generalize about their emotional reactions fairly well. Uh, But it's easier if you can help and say, well, okay, so when you were deciding on that particular reservation, on that particular, you know, set of evenings that you were thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, can you tell me what went through your mind there? That's pinning it to a place and a time rather than like all the reservations you've ever made in your life, which are going to be different, right? right? And you're, you're bringing yeah. different thinking styles to your different reservations. I mean, this happened mm-hmm. to be a trip with work colleague where you might have a different thinking style if you were taking a trip with your child
0: how do you like, you know, the trends, I'm not going to say insights, but the trends <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, yeah. like identifying patterns, what you're going to do the pa- well, with the patterns.
1: So the patterns actually, the trends, if you're talking about patterns, they don't happen mm-hmm. until yes. after you've conducted a bunch of listening sessions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. E- even if you're doing that to develop relationships, you'll start to see patterns across people within your organization, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're, we're talking about people who have a particular purpose that your solution hopes to support, <laughs> right.
0: um,
1: you're not going to see trends when you're listening to them. When you're listening to them, you're not interested in trends. You're not interested in insights. All you're interested in is whether you have gotten down to that interior cognition layer for most of the topics. Okay, You're not necessarily okay. going to get there for all the topics, that's fine. Um, some topics are going to get more airtime. <laughs> the person will talk about them more than other topics um, because, you know, there's more to say about them. Um, it varies. Different, top- different, different participants are going to bring up different topics. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay? Within the listening session itself, you're only paying rapt attention to that person. You are doing your utmost to respect them and make them feel comfortable and supported and safe. And you are also just sort of noticing whether they're at that description layer or whether they're at that deeper interior cognition layer for a topic. Just notice. I mean, they're going to go up mm-hmm. and down, and that's going to happen. But you're just watching it, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but I'd say ninety percent of your cognitive abilities during a listening session are going to be focused, paying attention. What is that person saying? What are they trying to convey? You can do uh, simple reflection. Um, to get them to talk a little bit more about things. You can do something called micro-reflection. You can use something I call fill-in-the-blank. It's saying the word because or saying the word and and just leaving a space after it and letting that person jump into it. Um, These things work when you've got a rapport going. Um, I talk a lot about uh, what to do if the rapport is breaking um, or if comfort levels are shifting. Uh, in, in the book, um, but we don't need to go into that here. Um, the, the whole idea, though, is to get that connection so that that person's doing most of the talking. And things that you're doing are just showing support. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, like, uh-huh. Okay. And, and so that relates to the running shoes, right? And you just got, you know, that sort of, you know, connection. The you're not actually asking a question that relates to the running mm-hmm. shoes. That's just your way of showing support. The other person's like, yeah, and that's why, you know, I always bring two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and so the thinking was definitely based on, you know, that experience where my thinking was blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, it's just all about supporting that person and helping that person feel comfortable to get to that interior cognition layer. Uh, often what happens like um you end up talking to people about some pretty interesting things and in one study we were trying to understand how people addressed saving for retirement um and when we did our recruiting we needed people who have done a lot of thinking about saving for retirement we didn't care how old they were okay we didn't care how much they'd saved cared how much thinking they'd done about it how much you know emotion had gone into it and in one of those sessions um at the end the person thanked me she's like this has been so helpful to me because i've never had a chance to actually say out loud this inner thinking and it's sort of clarifying what my approach is like it's giving me like oh i'm actually Doing a lot more than I thought I was. So it's giving me this feeling that I'm a little bit better at this than
0: I thought. (laughs) So you're actually coaching, (laughs) doing a little bit of financial coaching. Actually, no, not doing any financial
1: coaching at all. Just providing a a sounding board. Just providing a space, a safe space for someone to put out there what their inner thinking
0: is. But back to this idea of the patterns... That you see from, you know, the large amount of right. uh, people that you talked to. And not so large. Okay, or not so <laughs> large. So tell me a little bit, if you can, about what does analysis and synthesis look like at that point?
1: Yeah, analysis and synthesis is very different than the way that it's typically done. Typically, you will uh, get done with all of your interviews and then somebody will say okay now go look for the affinities no one defines what an affinity is you're just supposed to sort of recognize what it is Um, I actually don't use the word analysis what we're doing is not analysis it is purely synthesis Um, and what when we're trying to understand another person's approach without putting our own perspective on it our own assumptions about what they meant what I do is I actually take a first pass through each transcript, and I find, I, I break all of those little topics open, and I'm like, okay, what are all the things inside the topic that they mentioned? And I only pull out the interior cognition. Okay. The, the description layer, the explanation, the scene setting, the, the you know, the implied things, all the, the opinions and stuff, those, those will, they're not really that important. Those will still sort of sit so, there, but Yeah.
0: Yeah, just to quickly give our listeners an example, I, I could come up with something, but I'd rather hear it from you. Yes. And di- the yeah. difference between, like, you've yeah. got a topic, um, let's talk about the planes, uh, reservations, um, description versus yeah. inner cognition.
1: So just yesterday, I was doing an example of this in the book, and the guy was talking about how he made a vow to himself not to take red eyes. Um, He used to take red eyes, and he would be going halfway around the world to an important meeting that was important enough to actually be put on a plane to go halfway around the world, and he would arrive and try to take a nap. He'd go to the hotel and see if the room was ready and try to take a nap before the meeting, and then arrive at the meeting. (laughs) And he managed to pull this off until, like, his middle 30s, and then it started not working so much. And... He was sort of in the the meetings feeling like Mm -hmm. he wasn't completely with it. (laughs) Um, And so he vowed to himself not to take red eyes, but he (laughs) was still doing it. And so this was an exploration of, like, why am I still doing this to myself? Um, So what I pull out of that, I mean, there's a lot of explanation. But um, what, like, a guiding principle in there at the heart is... Be super aware for these important meetings. Arrive in a state of mind where I can, like, really be, mm-hmm. you know, present and brilliant and helpful. Um, that's a guiding principle. That doesn't only apply to flying halfway around the world. That also applies to meetings that they have in their own mm-hmm. uh, city. So, um, so this is the guiding principle. Now, um, I would write it in a certain way i write a summary of every inner thinking emotional reaction and guiding principle those are the three things of interior cognition Um, i write a summary of each one of those that i find in each transcript okay so in a way i'm really building my understanding of what people were saying in a way in a format that later when i go look for patterns it's easier to find the patterns. Okay. So in that second step, that find affinities, I'm actually not finding affinities. What I'm looking for is based on the focus of mental attention, um, which is like be brilliant and present at a meeting. um, Does anybody else have something Mm -hmm. like that in a focus of mental attention? Right. Uh, 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 Since it's about the plane, we might layer in the focus of mental attention of, like, arrive at the location where I can be brilliant and present at the meeting. And then I will find other people who have that focus of mental attention and put those concepts together.
0: Okay. And how is that different from an affinity? So an affinity is
1: not defined. Okay. And really, what people normally do with an affinity is they go and look at nouns and instead of using a focus of mental attention, which is a verb based thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and all my summaries start with a verb, there's a specific formula. Let's go back to that. Um, so, that guiding principle um, that that person with the red eyes has is like arrive, arrive in a city at a reasonable hour so I can get enough sleep. Okay. Because I want to be. Present and brilliant and helpful in that meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a verb in the beginning, which is arrive. It's a key point. Um, Maybe what I would actually do is put that key point up front. It's like, arrive in time so that I can be brilliant and helpful and present in that meeting. That's the key point. Arrive in time by, you know, getting there the night before so I can get a good night's sleep. That's the supporting details. That's the, the context or the description layer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're told to find an affinity, what we end up doing is we find affinities by noun. We're like, okay, here's all the things where the person is, um, you know, doing the reservation. So it's a reservation is the noun, and we're going to, like, put all the things about the reservation here. Um, where would you put this idea of arriving in time to get enough sleep? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? And so that falls off the table.
0: Right, right. It it might be simplified to knowing what time I'm going to arrive, which is completely different.
1: Yeah, it's completely (laughs) different. It's lost. (laughs) So this is, um, I've had people tell me, it's like, you know, learning how you synthesize the data is like mm, so freeing, so helpful because you have a, a A guideline, a rail, you know, some sort of guardrail to follow, which is focus of mental attention, using those summaries that are verb first with the key point right after it. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to find your similarities there, put those Mm -hmm. things together. Okay. And we don't lose those things that are esoteric, like, you know, arrives that I can be brilliant and helpful and present at the meeting. Right, right, yeah. and and that is like the key. That's <laughs> that's right. really strong thinking behind how somebody makes a reservation. Um, so, just as an aside, with all this work with the airline, they um, they didn't use it. Um, and, and some of the things that I'm like toying with is like let's allow people to make reservations based on these other guiding principles.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because what they're doing right now, what the airline is doing right now is saying, hey, we've got planes that fly between airports. Tell us an airport and we'll tell you, and a date, and we'll tell you which planes are flying between those airports. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. anything else. I'm not helping you decide about red eyes or arriving in time for a meeting. I'm not helping you decide how long it's going to take to get from the airport to that meeting. I'm not helping you factor in weather or factor in uh, delays that could happen at that time of year at certain connecting airports. Mm-hmm. I'm not helping you, um, you know, recognize other opportunities for visiting other clients or something um, in the area based on your past uh, business trips or something. I'm, I'm not helping you with any of that. All I'm doing is say, give me an airport and a date and I'll tell you which of my planes are flying between those.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what you've identified is opportunity to support people who, f- who are flying, um, in the way that they is most important.
1: Yeah. That, that matches their way of thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an additional thing that I call thinking styles, which is a whole other layer. I mentioned it, like you think differently if you're flying with a business colleague than you would with a child, mm-hmm, especially okay. a small child. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have time to talk about that today, but um, that also factors in. So that you end up with like your opportunities are multiplied. It's like not only do we want to allow somebody to think about reservations the way that they think about them, like you know, I also want to allow somebody to specify what thinking style they're in when they're making when they're when they're going to take that trip, right? Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to be, we actually, we've done this several times, and I teach courses on how to do um, not only the listening sessions and the synthesis, but I teach mm-hmm. courses on thinking styles, and we've come up with the same set of thinking styles year after year after year, um, and there's a, there's a thinking style that's all about um, uh, sort of make, make this experience better for everybody. And okay. that, that applies in so many different layers. <laughs> like, some people are, like, bringing coffee to the gate attendants, right? <laughs> some people are helping other passengers figure out where to go. Some people are helping their family members stay entertained, right? There's also a different thinking style, which is um, make a safe bubble around myself, um, I don't want all that craziness coming in or I don't want my craziness and my anxiety out.
0: Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So many <laughs> ways to slice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it at. just it just <laughs> multiplies the opportunities that we have. So when going back to the beginning of our conversation, there's a strategy layer, the strategy space now. That we have an opportunity map in all of these things. This map is um, it's, its actually a visual map that looks like a city skyline with a bunch of skyscrapers in it. And the skyscrapers represent people's interior cognition, their inner thinking, guiding principles, and uh, emotional reactions about a topic. The, each skyscraper is like some subset of a topic, and the, the, the block, the city block that they're on, is like a, a larger topic. Um, and they might, like, gather into neighborhoods. We don't know what it is. We, it's bottom-up. We don't know what it is uh, in the beginning. We're not curating this. We don't know what the neighborhoods are. The neighborhoods mm. grow out of all of this information, these, these uh, connections between focus of mental attention. Mm. And when we see that and we align what we're doing, and we also have the thinking styles layered into each of those towers, those buildings,
0: yeah. Um, we can
1: directly see where we have gaps.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm... I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I am so excited. Yeah. Um, that was, and we do have to, unfortunately, we're running out of time. Yeah. It's, uh, so there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to there's cover lot. here. Yeah. But I do want to make sure that people know that um, you now have multiple ways, actually. Um, for people to learn. Um, there's the book that's coming out and that will a- absolutely get, uh, we'll be sending links out for that. Um, and people can also find links to that, I would imagine, um, on your website. Yep. You also, on your website, which is IndieYoung.com, Indie with an I, you have ways of learning from you, Tell us just a a little bit about that. Yeah.
1: um, There's a series of six courses uh, that you can take. You don't have to take all the courses, you can choose which ones. Um, And the courses are listening deeply, uh, two courses about the how to make all those summaries of the the concepts uh, in the transcripts and a course about how to find those patterns. I call it cultivating patterns or you know you're growing those patterns we're letting them grow together based on focus and mental attention we've got a course about thinking styles i have a course about creating opportunity maps and using opportunity maps and most important of all i have a course on framing your study Mm. which gets into what is a purpose and how do we frame by the purpose um the opportunity map course also talks about that, and the opportunity map is where we talk about the gap analysis and measuring over time how well you're doing in support of how somebody accomplishes their purpose according to their approach.
0: And you have a couple ways these courses are delivered. Yes, that's true. <laughs>
1: um, I, I have a, 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 I guess the word is cohort. I do um, a sort of a group where we're live and a bunch of lectures in between i'm actually producing those lectures now because it used to be that i would give the lecture live and then ask people to do homework in between um it's a four week uh, we have four meetings together um
0: and so that's I'm, four weeks per topic per co- course yeah per co- per yeah. course okay
1: and those are the live ones are sort of slowing down right now because I'm reproducing everything because I want I didn't want people to have to go like go off and do homework by themselves. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do all those exercises homework together in those group meetings and have all the great discussion that that goes on. Um, it, but I already have all of those courses recorded from the last three years that I was doing them. So the most up-to-date one, the most up-to-date recordings are available so that you can go in and listen uh, to those lectures and listen to the actual discussions. You get to hear a little bit about that and watch people do exercises, but mostly it's the lectures uh, that are in the recordings right now. Um, The other part of it is that I have different price points. Um, So if you are in an organization that'll pay for your education, there's the regular price, but not everybody's in an organization like that. So I've got a half price version for those of you who are paying out of pocket. And not everyone's in the U.S. Not everyone has, or is in a country where there's like a reasonable currency exchange rate um, in terms of what your currency buys in the U.S. A lot of people are in countries where like, you just cannot access some of the US stuff. So I have a a price that's 90% off um, for that situation. And so people love being able to do that.
0: (laughs) Uh I was super excited to see that. And UX Cake has a global audience um, and plenty of listeners in other countries, India and China and uh, other countries outside the US, Australia, Although I would imagine Australia is probably, Australia's the price, but close. yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like I, Malaysia, Ukraine, Russia, um, uh, Pakistan, Brazil, all, you know that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. there's I used to hear people who from other countries say, "Oh, we're ten years behind the U.S." But in working with people, they are not ten years behind the U.S. Mm,
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. So having access to this kind of information, um, and this kind of, you know, methodology that might change is mm-hmm. really important.
0: globally. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. And, um, thank you so much for sharing with me yeah. and with the UX cake audience um is there any other any other ways uh any anything else that's coming up for you that you want to talk about
1: um let's see I do have coaching available on my website where I've got a couple of partners who are also coaching Uh who are fabulous at this Um, so there's a bunch of different price points there. The coaching is for when you're trying to do this methodology.
0: Okay. Um, it's not
1: career coaching. We know nothing about career coaching. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so it's how to be effective, more effective in your work. It's actually to... <laughs> how to how to do
1: problem based research. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That how to do listening sessions, how to synthesize the data. Um, right. It's not. It's not. The courses, it's you're doing it and you're coming to us with a particular problem that we help you through. Yeah. 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 Um, Or it's it's mostly people coming to us that are like, we're trying to frame the study and we can't figure out the purpose. Mm. Okay. It's hard to figure out the purpose because we're so used to thinking from the lens of our solution. Uh, The other thing um, is that... uh, I'm hoping to do a bunch of workshops with uh, other practitioners in the area. Oh. Um, DeWan Stanford of Design 101, um, or Design Thinking 101, uh, Dan uh, Zook and Joe Wong uh, in Hong Kong, um, maybe a couple of others. I've got somebody in um, Cleveland who does a lot of this kind of work and has a really interesting approach, so we're hoping to do a bunch of workshops, too, but I have my plateful producing <laughs> so. all of the courses <laughs> in addition i also have a team that does these studies for people okay um, and what i'd like to do as well is start offering if somebody um can like only has the capacity on their team or maybe they're a team of one to do one part of this we can fill mm-hmm. in for the other parts yeah. um there you do not know how many people i run across who collect data who go and do listening sessions but then never have the time to actually Mm. go through and synthesize Mm -hmm. the data yeah and i would love to Uh, offer that so
0: oh that's fantastic yeah um thank you for mentioning all those things And we will have links in our show notes and on our website and in our social media posts (laughs) and in our newsletter. Oh, also, I did want to mention to listeners that they can sign up for the UX Cake podcast uh, newsletter at uxcake.co, where we also share links about um, and announcements about our wonderful guests. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please rate it and subscribe. Tell others what you liked about it. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX cake on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you for listening and sharing the UX cake.